Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. I'm excited to be here at C3 Calgary West today, the west side. Uh, for those, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, um, you're online maybe tuning in for the first time, or uh, my name's Stephen, my wife Brittany and I are the location pastors of our downtown Calgary, C3 Calgary Central location, and it's awesome. Um, Brittany's not here today, she's, she's down there at the central location. This is our second week in a new venue. So uh, Alexandria Center, there's an awesome story around that venue. Um, but if you know someone in the downtown Calgary area who needs a church community where they'll be loved, they'll hear the word of God, they'll worship, then send them on down there. And Brittany and I have two kids. We have a three-year-old son and a one-year-old son. And we're, Brittany and I on Tuesday are celebrating 10 years of marriage, which is great. We are, we're excited. I said to Brittany the other, other day, I said, man, 10 years flies by. And she's like, oh, yeah, it kind of feels like it's been 20. And so I was like, I'm going to choose to take that as a compliment. I'll choose to take that as a compliment. But I'm very excited to be getting to continue our series here today. Onward and Outward is our, our monthly series. Onward and Outward. And my message title today is A Life Lived for Others is a Life Lived Well. I, this time of year, many of us um, probably set goals or uh, going into January set New Year's resolutions. Has anybody set any goals for the year? Have people given up on that now? I don't know if we still do that with the craziness of the world. Uh, Brittany and I try to set goals every, every year as a couple um, for our families, uh, for our church, for our finances, all these kind of things. And, uh, and inevitably, by the time the middle of January rolls around. We've already broken some of those goals, maybe. But other ones we get to, to stick doing. And I hope you're setting goals and, um, and looking at what can 2022 look like. Moving onward from 2021. Moving onward from what's going on. What is God calling you into? And, and that was the question we had as we sat down uh, for a coffee, Brittany and I, and, and started setting our goals, was how are we going to move onwards from 2021? How are we going to move on from the good, the bad, the ugly, the awesome, the defeats, the victories, the challenges? More importantly, how is God wanting us to move on? See, there's a way that seems wise to us to move on, but, but God's ways are bigger than our ways, and maybe He's wanting us to move on differently than we think we're meant to move on. So these are some questions I, I want us to, to look at today. Um, you know, I know when uh, sometimes you come to church for answers, but I always say whenever I'm preaching, I want to leave you with more questions because actually we should always be asking these questions. God, what are you doing in this time? What are you doing in the world at the moment? What are you doing in this season? And what are, how are you asking us to move onwards? And I believe that a big part of moving onward in life, onward from disappointments, onward from heartbreaks, onward from trials is becoming more and more of an outward-looking person. 
a little quiet in here today, so we're going to get there. It's okay. A big way of moving on and healing some of those things that are going on inside of us is that we are to become outward-focused people. Because this is what I find often our goals, our ambitions, our New Year's resolutions revolve around me, us, ourselves. This isn't a good thing. This is great. We should set goals for ourselves. We should set uh, things that we're going to break through in and God's going to break through in our life. But a life lived for God is actually expressed through a life lived for other people, loving other people, serving other people. And so today I want to show us through the direction of the word um, and how integrating that into our lives that um, a benefit of being an outward focused person that we're called to be is actually it heals so much of what's taking place inside of us. And that Jesus actually directs us that we would be someone who lays our life down for others. A life lived for God is expressed through a life loving and serving others. So if you have your Bibles here today, I hope you do, turn to, turn to the book of Mark, chapter 12, verse 28. And I do sincerely believe today some of those things that we had a hard time breaking through last year, we're having a hard time breaking through at the moment, God might be asking us and calling us in and saying, hey, the breakthrough's coming, but it's going to come when you begin to look outwards and stop focusing on that issue so much. When you begin to live, I'm working some stuff inside of you. I got some things for you as a person, but that's going to get worked out in laying your life down for other people and bringing the good news to all. So Mark chapter 12, verse 28, we find ourselves in a scene here. Jesus has been teaching um, in the, the synagogues and around the place, and miracles have been happening. Amazing things uh, have been taking place. And many of the religious people of the day are bringing their questions to Jesus to try and stump him, to trick him. But he's flawless. He's got a great track record. He can answer all their questions. And then that's where we pick it up here in verse 28. So this is what they're trying to do. And it says, And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, speaking of Jesus, the scribe asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. In a different scenario, Jesus is asked to summarize uh, all the law and, and everything. What, what does the law mean? What is all that stuff that we've been living out Mean And he says, this is how it can be summarized. Love God and love people. Isn't that an amazing thing? I don't think we quite understand that. Because the people of the day, they're not just trying to trick Jesus for the sake of tricking Jesus. Their life revolved around the laws laid out in the Bible. Everything they did revolved around the law laid out by God. Everything, every moment, every action they took, every direction they had, how they raised their families, how they worked, how they did anything was summarized by all, all these laws. And then Jesus comes in and says, hey, I can summarize it like this. Love God and love people. This is a huge thing for them. Now, at the end of this, we're going to unpack this a little bit. What does it look like to, to love somebody? But it's interesting, it says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So love someone else as yourself. The, uh, the 
kind of the partner message to this message I'm preaching on, on loving people is actually God wants us to love ourselves. We can only love people as much as we're willing to love ourselves. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. So if you don't love yourself, then you can't love your neighbor. If you don't care for yourself, you can't care for your neighbor. God actually wants us to have a good self-esteem, not an arrogance, not an ego, but he wants us to love ourselves because out of being okay with ourselves and who he's created us to be, we can love other people better. I meet too many people who have a heart to, to love other people, but they're not willing to love themselves and accept God's love for themselves. Love your neighbor as yourself. If we get better at loving ourselves, we'll get better at loving our neighbors. So that's the partner message that I'm not preaching today to give a bit of context. The two greatest things that Jesus says is to love God and love others. So I'm focusing on that, that second component of Jesus' summary of the law of loving others. This is what I, I, I wanna lay out uh, here before we really dive into it as well, is that biblically, love is defined quite different than how the world defines love at the moment. And as followers of Christ here today, and, and many of us are, maybe you're not that today, there'll be an invitation for you, but, but the way that the Word of God tells us to love others trumps anything that the world has to say about love. It trumps what uh, our... Um, our neighbors, our friends, our school, our workplace, our, our government, what, any of these things, we get our definition of loving others from the Word of God. And it doesn't matter if laws get put in place, definitions get changed, anything like that takes place. As believers in the Word of God, if we're going to love others well, we need to know what the Bible says about loving others. And it doesn't change. It's actually pretty irrelevant what changes in the world around us because we're a gospel people. We're a Christ-centered people, we're a word people, and this is where we get our definition of love from. Biblically, loving isn't endorsing one's behavior because Jesus wouldn't have loved any of us if that was the case. There's behaviors that we have that he doesn't endorse, yet he laid his life down for us. Biblically, it's not agreeing with one's lifestyle, and it's not staying silent about um, moral issues and immorality in the world. That's, that's a worldly definition of love. To love you, I need to agree with you further than that. I need to endorse your behavior. That's not biblical. And we're going to look at it, so don't worry. I'm not getting on a soapbox today. I'm just trying to set a context for us. But that's a very worldly idea of love, to endorse, approve, and not confront. It's just not biblical. Some of the moments that I've been loved the most in my life is when somebody told me, hey, you need to change something hey, there's something in your life, there's this thing, and these were people that I was in relationship with that had been walking with me, and they were willing to say, I love you enough to tell you this is wrong and it needs to change. And I'm so thankful for those moments because they're done at, when they're done in a spirit of love and not of just pointing the finger when they're done in a discipleship relationship or a loving friend, but not just someone pointing the finger. They've been some of the most pivotal moments in my life. And that's what God does for us. He loves, loves us enough to invite us all to change. We all need to change. Some of you guys might be picking up on what I'm saying here, that there's certain things taking place in the world, bills getting passed and different things. And this isn't new. This has been happening for years and years now that is trying to define 
uh, love and kindness and things, and it's actually counter to the Word of God. Because here's the thing, and I'm first in line to say it. As a person, the gospel is this. This is the good news, that I have fallen away from God and I have sin in my life, and we all have stains, but Jesus overcame that on the cross for every single person, regardless of whether they, they think they're straight or uh, gay or black or white or have a huge ego or low self-esteem or no matter what, every single person in the world requires change. I'm first in line to say, God, I need to change. And the invitation is, despite your stubbornness and despite that you aren't changed, I love you enough, I'll lay my life down for you. That's what Jesus did for all of us. So the invitation for every single person, regardless of your lifestyle, regardless of where you're at today, is to come and be freed and step into a new identity in God. That's an awesome thing that we can all cheer and we can all clap and we can be happy about, that God loves us enough to invite us to change into who he's called us to be. So how do we love then, according to the Bible? I love the way R.C. Sproul, a great theologian, says it. In the New Testament, love is more of a verb than a noun. It has more to do with acting than feeling. The call to love is not so much a call to a certain state of feeling as it is to the call to a quality of action. In the Bible, the, and in Bible times, the notion and the idea of love not resulting in action or faith in God not resulting in action, it, it's not there. That wasn't a mindset. The mindset is if we were to love God and love people, therefore there would be action. And I'm thankful that we wanna be a people of action here at this church who don't just love with our words, but love with action. And here's the struggle for all of us. Our natural inclination and our society and culture is designed a lot around self, around selfishness. Now, you don't have to be a, a rocket scientist to see this. You just have to have kids, right? Like, you're pretty early. See, and I have two kids that I love so much, and they're most of the time absolute sweethearts. My three-year-old, Hewan, has the sweetest heart, he's tender, but he's a kid. And we see this emerging in, in kids at an early age, right? Mine, my toy, my snacks, I want to do this. And they're pretty open about it. Here's the thing, as adults, we don't change that much, we just get better at hiding it. <laughs> we get better at covering it up. This morning, Hewan, uh, last night, decided that he'd be at the, the central location, the, the church down there, and uh, this morning, he got up and, and changed his mind and decided he wanted to be here. And I said, well, why, buddy? Why do you want to change your, your mind? And he said, I want to go to Clubhouse. I want Robin. Robin's one of our amazing leaders in Clubhouse. And what it came down to, we narrowed it down. I want the snacks, is what he said. <laughs> I want snacks. It's like he's, now, he ended up at the central location. He, he's got some snacks down there. Don't you worry. We're trying to teach him through that. But the human nature is to be selfish in many ways. And as followers of Christ, we're not exempt from this, but we're called to take action of daily trying to retrain and refocus and become an outward-looking person in our lives and love others. In a time in history of selfies and self-care books and me time, to be counterculture is to love and serve and lay our life down for other people. I, we all, I mean, I'm just guilty. I'm 
putting it right out there now, I'm as guilty as anyone else to focus on self more than I probably should. Well, I just need some me time, you know? It's just me time. But me time turns into three or four years of me time. I just need some time to withdraw and, and to, to heal. And of course, we need those times. We need those things. We're meant to heal. We're meant to withdraw. We're meant to focus on self, but not at the expense of loving and serving outwards still. It's not one or the other. It's both for the Christian. Matthew 10, verse 39, Jesus makes this statement, and he's talking about following him, uh, and in the context of the day, uh, it's about actually potentially laying your life down. But he says in verse 39, anyone who finds his life will lose it, and anyone who loses his life because of me will find it. Let me say that again. Anyone who finds his life, so anyone who in this world, in this life, uh, thinks that they have a grasp on what it is to have a great life and live it by their own abilities and they build their own empire and they they build their own thing and they go, hey, I've got it all sorted out. Um, I've got life figured out. Actually is going to lose it. But those who are willing to lose their life for something greater because of Jesus will actually gain real life. Here's the paradox that Jesus is saying. Hey, if you want to uh, gain your life, if you want to gain real life and real meaning and real purpose, and you want to you actually step into the destiny God has for your life, you want to get your life, you need to lose it. You actually need to give it up. You actually need to surrender it for something else. Now, for many people in the world, that might actually mean laying down your, your actual life for Jesus but we don't have to do that here in a, a physical way, but we're still called to lose our life for something greater. Jesus is saying whoever pursues and idolizes and worships living for themselves, building their own thing, only doing things that benefit them or get them ahead are actually losing. But those who are willing to give their life to something greater, to serve and love others, to, to serve Jesus expressed through loving others, are going to gain their life. John 12, verse 12, an amazing, amazing picture here we, we see of um, Jesus and the disciples gathered together, and they've just had a hard day's work. They've been doing their thing, and they, they wore sandals back in the day. They weren't wearing their Adidas's. He couldn't wear these on the, on the ground there where it'd get all dusty and stuff. They were wearing sandals, and they would get mud in their feet. They'd get really dirty feet, and the custom of the day is when you went to dinner, there'd be a servant who would come out and, and wash your feet. Many of us know this story, and you know where I'm going. Um, and they would come in and, and wash the feet because it was all grimy. This was just a part of the custom. And th- this didn't take place how it was meant to. The disciples were too excited. They were probably um, pumped up about, did you see what we just did? And did you see how we did this? So they all went in, and they're having dinner. And Jesus is looking around, and nobody's washing the feet. So we see Jesus, Son of God, their, their rabbi, their leader, actually get up, take off his shirt, they wrap a towel around himself, and go through the process of washing the feet of each of his disciples. And I've got a, I've got a hunch here um, that Jesus didn't want to wash the feet by his natural feeling, because we know that he was a 
right? He was a person when he was here. He gave up his divinity. And no one wants to go and wash people's feet. If you do want to do that, you can see Pastor Tim after the service here. That's a different issue you need to maybe go and work through. He'll pray through you. But the, the natural inclination isn't something that you want to do, yet Jesus chose something greater. He chose to lay down his feeling, to set an example, and to serve others. So let's pick it up. Verse 12, it says, When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. And he said, Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. There's a blessing in the outward expression. And that's not why we do it, but we'll jump into that here. There's just three things from this story I think it's important to note. As we're looking at serving others and loving others and living a life for God expressed through serving others, there's three things that Jesus had in this story that rightly in the context of a worldly system would have actually disqualified him from doing this or not made him be able to do this. Jesus had, he had the position, he had the perspective, and he had the power. So Jesus had position, perspective, and power, yet he chose to wash feet. What do I mean by that? Jesus had the position in the context of what he was in. Jesus was the rabbi, the teacher, and the leader. By all rights, he shouldn't have been washing the feet. Pretty obvious, right? Yet he chose to do that. So as followers of Christ, that shows us that regardless of our position, regardless of where we're stationed in life, regardless of our socioeconomic status or how much things we have or where we find ourselves in the hierarchy of our work setting, the call is it doesn't matter where to wash feet, where to serve others, regardless of our position. If Jesus can do it, we are to do it too. The second thing that he had was perspective of reality. He had a perspective and I think this is something very easy for us today to get caught up in, that Jesus knew what was coming, right? And this, Jesus knew he was going to the cross to carry the weight of the sin of all the world, of people for all time. He knew that was coming. Um, he knew that some of the stuff that the, the disciples were squandering over and, and dealing with um, wasn't actually that important in, in the grand scheme of big things. He had a perspective he had a full grasp of reality, and many of us think that we have a full grasp of reality at the moment. In fact, we all do, otherwise it wouldn't be our grasp of reality. We all think we're right, and we, we kind of can justify not laying our life down because we think we know better than everybody else. I do this all the time. Well, if people only knew what was really going on at the moment in our current setting, it would be different. Well, that person thinks this way or, or that way, and they don't quite get the grand scheme of things. So I, maybe I'll just sit back and, and watch what happens. Jesus had a perspective, a reality perfect one, yet he didn't let that perspective stop him from washing the feet and laying his life down. And thirdly, Jesus had power. Now we know that Jesus was powerful. He had power in a very natural sense, in the setting he was in, but he also had the supernatural power of God, yet he didn't. You know, I've always wondered, like, if I was Jesus in that setting, 
Like, I, I would have just gone, okay, Holy Spirit, wash their feet, bang, it's done, and now we can move on. But he actually went through the process of dealing with 12 stinky guys and washing their feet. That takes time. That takes effort. Even though he had the power to do it a different way, he served physically. He served hands-on and displayed something. Jesus had position. Jesus had perspective of reality, and he had power, yet he chose to wash feet. And also, Jesus is facing a situation that very well could have made myself or you or I become an inward-focused person. Because that's what happens often when we go through trials and tribulations, that we become very inward-focused. Jesus knew that there was a traitor in his midst. Jesus knew that death was coming, and, um, and we like to romanticize it and think that he didn't go through the emotions, but we also hear the story of in the garden where he's um, sweating and crying blood, and he's crying out to God. If there's a different way, can, can this change? But not my will, your will. He, he's facing an inner turmoil, and he didn't let that make him withdraw. He actually, and, and become an inwards focused person, he actually, even though that was going on, continued to be an outward-focused person. Often we think trials come, something happens to us, uh, life isn't going how we thought, we need to withdraw and just focus only on ourselves. Again, I preface at the start, there's a time and season for that, but a life lived for others is a life lived well. And even in those moments, we're meant to continue to love and have eyes to see outwards. If we want to find meaning in life, if we want to find purpose, and we want to overcome some of these trials and things in our world, let's continue to be an outward-focused person. I remember a couple months ago, I was having one of those me days, grumble, grumble, me, me, the world is against me days. No one else would have that here, surely, not in the 9 o'clock, C3 Calvary West location. Down at Central, though, I don't know about those guys. We're having a bit of a me day where, Lord, why is this happening to me? Has any, like, why, and that's a, a fair question, but it was over trivial stuff in my case. It was like, Lord, why didn't I get a good night's sleep last night? And why didn't this happen? And, and why, can't, why is it sometimes a stretch to pay the bills? And why me, me, me? And one of my friends who runs a, a food bank ministry downtown, um, had asked for me to come and serve, and I'd already committed to going and and serving down there. And so I went very, very grumbling. I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. This is me. i got to get myself sorted out. i got to get this focused out, but I'd committed to doing it. And this is where you you serve serve food and love on people downtown and um, from all different walks of life. And so I went very still with my selfish attitude, my inward-looking focus. I only went out of obligation. I'm just having a pastor confession here at the moment that I didn't have the best heart going into it is all I'm saying. And, um, and here this amazing thing happens as I, as I began to serve despite how I was feeling. I began to, to reach out to others, even out of obligation, um, even though I could have said, I'm not coming today, I've got to sort out some of my own stuff. See, what happened is the first person who came up was, was a young man who, um, who had just uh, spent his first week living on the street, downtown Calgary. And, uh, and he, he came up, and this was the first time he was eating any food in three days. And so he was so appreciative and, and thankful that, that we would be so generous of spirit, even though I was super selfish in the moment and thinking about myself, and, and just was in tears and so... Uh, so amazed that people would look outward towards other people. 
Then the second person who came up was a young lady. Um, and uh, she had bruises on her face, um, fresh track marks on her arm from where she'd been, sorry, where she'd been injecting drugs the night before. Coming up to get a feed, coming up to get loved on, no shoes, dirty feet, all that kind of thing. This happened over the next hour. Person after person came up who was in a situation much worse than mine, who was in need of someone to reach out with, someone to smile, someone to love, someone to say, we care, we notice. And I'm not saying this, this is something that we need to do. This was what I was meant to do. But we can be outward looking and loving focused in whatever context we're in. And this is the the thing that I noticed that happened. As soon as I started to be outward focused and to shift my perspective and eyes off my own situation and my own troubles and to see what was going on around me, all of a sudden, 95% of this stuff that was going on inside became pretty meaningless. Didn't seem like quite such a mountain to get over. Didn't seem like it was quite such a, a burden, and I turned around from being upset and unthankful for those things to actually thanking God for the blessings and things that he had in my life, that I considered a burden now in the context of looking outward and serving other people I saw were a blessing and a provision from God. And sometimes, is what I'm trying to say today, it's in the outward looking, it's in the serving and loving of others despite what's going on in our world. It's in the pouring out our life for something greater that we actually gain a true perspective of life. And where the world would tell us to be selfish, the kingdom of God tells us to be selfless and to be outward looking. Acts 20 verse 35, in all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. An amazing thing. Sometimes in order to move onwards, we need to start looking outward. And that's the example laid down by Christ. In this, as I kind of close off the message, I'm going to summarize, because I've been uh, going through a bit of a Bible reading plan this month. We're doing the Bible in a year here. I hope some of you guys are excited about doing the Bible in a year. It's an awesome challenge. You can still jump in, and there's Bibles available, or you can jump on your Bible app plan. And inside of that, I've been doing a a Bible shred, the Bible in a month lately with some of the guys. Lord, help us that we made that decision. It's very hard to do the Bible in a month. But I was taken aback in this shred. It's been really good and beneficial for me of um, just the story of Joseph again in the Old Testament. We find this in uh, Genesis 37 to 50, around that area. It's quite a long story. But Joseph fascinates me as an Old Testament figure. One day I'll, I'll preach a couple series on Joseph, I think. It'd be great. Um, because we see Joseph here. There's two major concepts that jumped out in the story of Joseph to me. Now, the story of Joseph, if you don't know it, many of us would, but is basically he's a, he's a guy born into a big family uh, of brothers there, and, um, and he has sisters as, as well, but he's favored by his father. So that's never a good thing when you're growing up with brothers. And uh, they already sort of got a dislike towards you. He starts to have dreams. He shares that. He probably didn't use much discernment in that moment, shares that of his brothers bowing down to him. So what ends up happening is his brothers plot to kill him. 
It's like, whoa, that escalated. That went pretty quick there. They, they plot to kill him. They decide, no, we'll just throw him down a well instead. Okay, um, sell him into slavery. So he gets sold into slavery. So he goes from being a favored child to, to sold into slavery. But then he serves and loves and, and begins to do the things he needs to do that he raises up through the ranks and becomes the, the head servant over the household that he's into. Then what takes place, though, is he's falsely accused by uh, the matriarch of the house there of, of, of uh, being inappropriate, let's say it that way, and, um, and he actually gets thrown into prison, into jail. So seemingly things get a little bit later, better and then they get way worse. So now he's in jail, but then he uh, helps some people in, in the jail and he's thinking, this is his ticket out. This is my movement onward. I've done an outward expression. Now I'm going to get to move onward from the jail. And as soon as they get out, they forget him. That's awesome. Sometimes we totally forget not just what others do for us, but what God does for us. So, okay, but that's pretty extreme. Uh, then he goes to, eventually gets to use his gift to, to help out the ruler of the time, and he becomes second in command to Pharaoh. So what we see is Joseph, very quick summary of the story, he goes from being um, favored son to, to outcast, then he goes from being a prisoner to a prince, and he goes from being hated by his family to saving them. He goes from being falsely accused to actually um, the second in command to Pharaoh. And what are the hinges? What are the things? What is the thing that actually gets him moving onwards from these situations? It's that he doesn't become selfish. It's that he doesn't become insulated. He doesn't take on a victim mentality and say, well, this has happened to me, therefore I will not give. But even in the moments of trial and tribulation and horrible things taking place, he's willing to serve outwardly. He's willing to love others. And in the outward expression, God actually moves him onward into his destiny. It's an amazing story. It's an amazing, amazing picture of how God sometimes operates. That it's not just in the inward dealing of our heart, which we need to do. We, to love others, we have to love ourselves, remember? So if you're angry, if you're hating on yourself, if you've got inner stuff that's not worked out, that's going to be expressed on other people, so best that we deal with that stuff, right? But it's actually in the loving of others, the laying down of our life, the laying down of our time, our conveniences, our money, our giftings, our hospitality, our thought life, whatever it is, in the laying down, the losing of, we actually gain true life. It's an amazing thing. Can I have the band come back today? Today, it's just a reminder for us that as followers of Christ, we're called to be outward-focused people. That can look very differently depending on your season of life, the situation you're in. doesn't mean going and helping out of the food bank like it did for me. Maybe it's, maybe it's starting to give more attention to your spouse and your kids. Maybe it's starting to, um, rather than getting home from work and needing your own me time, maybe it's putting the phone away and looking at your partners in the eyes and saying, how was your day? It can look very differently is what I'm trying to say. But I really believe God's telling us and calling us today that the breakthrough in our inner world comes in the outward service of others. Doesn't matter if they agree with us. Doesn't matter if they're a different political persuasion. Doesn't matter if they're a different lifestyle. Would we love and serve others like Christ loves and serves us? Maybe you had a bad year last year. Let me rephrase that. Chances are most of us had a bad year last year. But a way to move onward from that is to start living an outward-focused life. 
not withdrawn from others to focus on yourself, but maybe it's rejoining your connect group or starting a connect group or having a group of friends that you can get together and share the struggles with in the church here or maybe in relationship with others of actually becoming an outward-focused person in your relationships. Maybe it's actually to put your hand up and say yes to joining a roster here at church as we focus on volunteer month. That might be an easy outward expression that you don't know how you're going to integrate that into your life. But maybe here on a Sunday, you could come and help out. We, we, need, we need help. But greater than that, it's for your and I benefit that we actually serve and love the body that we're called to love. But maybe it's, like I said, not to give your spouse your half-hearted attention to switch off the phone, to switch off the distractions and to love and serve like Jesus loves and serves and lays his life down for the body of Christ. Maybe it's a decision here today that that empire that you've been wanting to build for yourself, that amazing business plan, that amazing thing that you have, maybe you're still meant to build that and do that and achieve that, but the purpose is less about you and more about blessing others. My encouragement today a simple one, but I think if we implement it, we won't just be blessing to others, but we'll be blessed ourselves, is to make 2022 an outward-focused year. Augustine, one of the great thinkers of, the, um, of, of our life, but quite an old cat, Augustine, for those who know him, back in 200 or 300 AD, he says, this is what love looks like. I love this quote. He says, what does love look like? It has the hands to help others. It has the feet to hasten to the poor and needy. It has eyes to see misery and want. And it has ears to hear the sighs and sorrows of fellow men. That is what love looks like. I'm thankful to be part of a loving community here. I'm thankful that we've already displayed, and, and many, many of you guys have displayed in my own life, in my, my family's life at the moment, in the expression of how we love and serve the people around us, that we have eyes to see the people around us and then hands that are willing to serve and love them and so let's continue to do that I want to pray for us today I want to pray particularly for those who are facing a circumstance and a situation and a trial in your inner life that is making it hard for you to love others making it hard for you to see others because it's actually in the seeing of others that I believe the breakthrough will come in your life so we're all going to stand in this place I want to pray for that but firstly, I want to offer you an invitation. If you've never met Jesus, if you've never invited Him into your life, January 2022, what a time to say, God, I want to stop living for myself. I've been searching. I've been... Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.